Wow. It's okay not to be okay. It is okay not to be okay. That's real. But the other side of that reality is that it's not okay to stay that way. And here's why. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. The gospel says, I want to do something in you and through you. There's more. It's okay not to be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. God wants something from you and me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm already overwhelmed. Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, you are here. Would you help us come to the realization that you are God and that we can put our faith and our trust in you and say with a clear conscience, it is well with my soul. Thank you for that confidence we have in Jesus. We love you. We give you all glory and honor. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Um, Man, praise God. I am already a wreck from that. Um, Goodness, if you're, uh, uh, thank you just for being here with us today. If you're watching online, thank you so much for joining us. All of our Willow Creek uh, online family, wherever you're watching from, um, we're so happy that you're here with us today. Um, We're in the middle of a series called Road Trip Radio. Um, We're looking at the book of Psalms. And a lot of the book of Psalms, when you're looking at the Hebrew and some of the uh, kind of language that it is, it really is like music tracks. There's lyrics um, that, uh, that we read through. And so um, we're looking at different tracks, if you will, chapters in the book of Psalms. And today we're looking at track 46. So if you have a Bible, you can turn it on. You can turn to it. Uh, Psalm chapter 46, that's where we're going to be. I want to read to you Psalm 46 verse 1. And verse 10. Let me just read this, uh, this, these couple of verses to you. Um, Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength in ever-present help in trouble. And then verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Don't you just love verses like that? I don't know if you've ever started your day with a verse like that where God is our refuge and be still and know that I am God. It's one of those verses where when you read it, you just feel so good. You want to kind of like, it's one of those where you just want to take a picture next to a cup of coffee, you know, just post it online. It's one of those. It's, it's very post-worthy uh, on social media, but it's that. It kind of gives you like this, this breath of fresh air kind of verse. It's, it it kind of reminds you about just the peace of God, right? I love verses like that. But I don't know about you, you've ever started your day like that, and then you kind of start going about your day, and, and all of a sudden you may got to stop for some gas, and, and the smallest things come up, and all of a sudden you're stopping for gas, and, and you see this at the gas pump, no card read, see cashier. And you know Satan's out to get you. You're like, yep, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And today he's coming after me, right? 
I don't know about you, but, but that, usually those kinds of things happen when I'm like in a hurry, when I'm in a rush. I'm like, whoa, I, I got to walk inside now? You know, it's one of those. But all kidding aside, I think there are times where we do go through these seasons of trouble or struggle. We go through pain and suffering, and it is very real. The struggle is very real. The troubling times are very real. And if you're, uh, if you're here today and you're watching online, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes when I'm in those seasons, I just need to get away. Have you ever felt that? Like you just need to withdraw. You need a vacation. I need to just get away. I got to get out of here. There was a time um, about five, over five years ago now, uh, my wife and I, we were celebrating our, our 10-year anniversary, and we were gifted with a trip to Hawaii. Talk about a getaway. And I've never been to Hawaii before, okay? So we went to Maui. Uh, we're, it's beautiful. It's awesome. And up until this point, my wife had, on different occasions, tried uh, to get me to have a, uh, get a pedicure done with her. So she would just go, hey, Miguel, you want to get a pedicure? And it was just, no. <laughs> like, without even thinking about it, I was like, no. Pedicure? I don't need a, who touched my feet? Like, I don't want that. I'm not about that. Maybe you are, but I wasn't, okay? I was not about all that. And I didn't even have to pray about it. It was one of those things. It was just like, pedicure, no. Get behind me. Like, you know, it's like, no. It was that kind of moment. So up until then, it was just, no, no, not at all, not at all. And, and I can't, you know, I can't verify this, all right? There's no way I can verify this. But there is something that happens at 10 years of marriage. There's a threshold. There's like a, a moment or a marker. Something happens where these petty things don't matter. You see, think you'll get it later. Um, so they, they don't matter. So I'm, we're here in Hawaii, okay? Um, 10 years of marriage. And my, uh, my wife goes, hey, you want to get a pedicure? And I said, sure. Why not? Let's do it, right? And, uh, and we go, we get a pedicure done. And, and I'm just going to be honest with you. It was surprisingly awesome. I, I left that place going like, Wow, I feel like a new person. My, my feet were somehow breathing. I did not know your feet could do that. I just felt incredible. I was like, this is awesome. So here's what I'm trying to say. Real men get pedicures done with their wives, okay? Okay? Amen? <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we, we just had a great time. It was awesome. We got away. We were away from our kids for, for a whole week away from our kids for all five, five of our kids for a whole week. We had some peace and quiet and, and we got away and, and it was wonderful. And you know, some of you parents in the room or if you're watching online, you get it. You're already in that place in the summer where you're like, when is school starting again? You know, it's like, let's get this going. And like, man, what am I, I, I've run out of all the things I'm supposed to do over the summer with my kids. Like they're done and you're ready. So now they're just running around screaming, jumping, not, you know, too much screen time. And you're, it's just, they're everywhere. And you're like, when is school going to start? I just need a little peace and quiet. Every parent in the room said, amen, right? Hallelujah. Can you get a, give me a Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I like a little response. This is good. This is good. So, I, I mean, I get it, and, and we're at a place where we sometimes just need a little peace and quiet. And in Psalm 46, when you're looking at this, this chapter, um, verse 10 is a very popular verse. I've heard it read before. It says that, it says, be still. And this, this be still and know that, that, he, that he is God it is a call to calm the storm within us. 
It's a call to come to storm within us, this, this stillness, not necessarily around us, but, but in us. And see that the challenge or the problem with our idea of peace, okay, or, or stillness, is that we think peace is some place that is, that is quiet and tranquil. That, 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 that is maybe by a beach at a resort. Or, or, or maybe there's, there's oils diffusing in the background, Right, and birds chirping and the, the sound of waterfalls in the distance, right? This is, this is kind of our, our, our idea of peace and, and this concept of, of what peace is. But, but that's actually not the peace of God, the stillness that the Bible is talking about. That's just called a spa day, okay? That, that's different. Nothing wrong with a spa day, okay? Nothing wrong going to the spa or getting a pedicure done. I know by experience, okay? Nothing wrong with that, but that's just different. But this is where our mind goes. We think, I got I to get away. I got a pedicure. I need a manicure. I need to go to a spa. I need to get away. I need to go to my man cave. I, I need to Netflix and binge something. I need to go. I mean, we think peace and stillness is like a Disney movie. We think of it as like, it's a whole new world, a dazzling place. Like, that's that's what we're thinking peace is. Yeah, I hope you recorded that. that was a, okay, uh, But that's what we think peace is. Peace is like this, this concept in our mind that is like a place. We get away, we go, and we're going to be refreshed and renewed. Okay, Again, nothing wrong with those things. It's just different than what the Bible talks about. And I get this all the time because um, the, the Netflix and binge, like I want to watch something or get away. Understand that. Netflix has no net gain in your life. It's not the peace that your heart is longing for. It's just a pause. See, there's a difference between that stillness and stopping. That peace of God and a a temporary escape. There's a massive difference. In fact, in John 14, Jesus is speaking, and he says this in verse 27. He says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Then listen to this. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I do not give you as the world gives. The world will give you petties. I give you peace. It's just different. Nothing wrong with the petty, but it's different. It's not the peace of God that the Bible is describing. And in Psalm 46 as it's opening up and it's describing this verse, verse 1, that God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. The verses in between are very descriptive in real-life scenarios. So let me just read a little bit of of the following verses after verse 1. Listen to the troubling, trialing language in the verses. Listen. Verse, uh, verse 2 through 5. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Do you hear like, the, like life is literally falling apart around you? Like the world is falling apart. And then again, again so reminder, as we're reading the chapter, a reminder, But there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the mountain, the most high, dwells. God is within her. 
She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Be still and know that I'm God, even when the world around you is falling into pieces. Now, here's my picture of what I believe the peace of God is actually like. This is what I believe the peace of God is like. If, if I were to kind of put an image, look at this image. This is an image of just, there's a storm. There's huge waves crashing over jagged rocks. There's, there's lightning and, you know, I'm assuming thunder as well in the, in the background. It's just, you look at it and you're just going, it is just chaos, danger. I don't want to be there. I don't like it. It's not appealing. It is a storm. It is troubling even to just look at. But this is what I believe peace is like. Because if you look closely, there's actually a bird resting within it. Can you recognize where the bird is? If you're watching online, can you see the bird? Well, let's zoom in a little closer. So here's a little closer view. There's the bird. The bird is resting within the storm. This is a great visual understanding of the peace of God that comes over us when the mountains are roaring and and waves are crashing and the earth is falling apart. Be still and know that I am God. This is a beautiful image of what the peace of God is actually like. So if you're taking notes, understand this. Peace is not the absence of pressure. Peace is not the absence of pressure. And so often what we do is we, tr- we try to find peace by removing the pressures around us. We, we get away, we, we, we Netflix binge, we, we go to a spa, we're, like, we're trying to, to remove the pressures uh, around us. And here's what gets, this is the reality. I've been here with you before. Listen, when we can't, remove the pressure. We've tried everything. We can't remove the pressures around us or the circumstances around us. What do we do? We lose it. We're done. We quit. We're out. We're lost. We're gone. I'm done with this. I can't have enough. I, 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 I tried the, you know, spa-like treatments. You know, nothing's going to help this. Uh, the getaway didn't help. And what it does is it leaves us with a missing Peace, and that is P-E-A-C-E, a a missing peace. It it leaves a void. And when you're in that kind of place where you've done it, you've tried it, you realize it didn't work. And to realize that, to understand that the reason it didn't work is because that's the place that was meant for you and God. For you and God to come into a place where you are drawn back to him, where you are, you are living in community and relationship with God. See, Jesus often withdrew to solitary places to be with his father. When you read the gospels, the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he often withdrew to solitary places to be with his father. Not to get away to his man cave because the disciples were frustrating him and annoying him, which they probably were. It's not that Jesus was going, okay, Father, Peter talks too much. Uh, uh, Thomas doubts everything. And I'm pretty sure Jesus, Judas is going to betray me. You know? it, it, that may have been true. But when he withdrew to solitary places, it was just to be with his Father, to be in the presence of of God and to be in that communion and community with with God. And, And that's where he found peace. And when we attempt to replace God with these feeble attempts 
to satisfy our souls kind of thing and find peace, I hear language where we all of a sudden say, Miguel, I've tried everything. Nothing works. I'm never going to find peace. This is never going to change. My situation's never going to change. This is never going to change. It's just what it is. It's just how it is. I can't take it anymore. Much of the book of Psalms was actually written by a guy by the name of David. You may have heard of him. David and Goliath, a famous story. David was a mighty warrior. Battles upon battles is a great description of his life. This, this young kid was a mighty warrior, slew Goliath as a middle schooler, uh, came to be known as just this great skilled warrior. And so fighting Philistines or other, other battles was actually quite natural for this young man, David. He slew many. He was a mighty warrior. But out all the battles that David fought, as incredible, as incredible as these battles were, David's greatest battle was not standing in front of him. They were within him. David's greatest battles were not standing in front of him. Those were easy for him. They were within him. And there was an effort from David to to be still. To be still within him was often what his battle was. And let's be honest, for us, our thought life is usually the greatest battle for us. Usually the greatest battle for you and me is what we're telling ourselves about anything, about the world, about anything. doesn't matter. It's usually our thought life. And I get it because sometimes, man, like thoughts just fly in our minds. I get it. Like, man, the mind is a, it's an amazing thing. It just flies in our mind. But it's one thing to, for, for a thought to fly in our mind. It's a whole other thing to think about it, to consume your mind with it, to have conversations with people who aren't even there. You see what I'm saying? It's a whole other thing to just get wrapped up and, and dwell on it day in and day out and, and this thought life that overtakes us. And then I, I've heard this before when we're doing that, uh, we start to go, but Miguel, I don't feel this peace. Why do I feel this way? Why can't I find peace and feel God? Why can't I feel it? So if you're taking notes, just, just write this down. You don't have to think about everything you feel but you will feel everything you choose to think about. So you don't have to think about everything you feel, but you will feel everything that you and I choose to dwell on, consume our mind with. See, it's, it, it, it's, it's one thing to, um, for circumstances to happen to us, right? But it's a whole other thing for it to control what happens through us. Someone once said it this way, like, we can't control um, the thoughts that fly into our minds. But we can control which ones we allow to land. This is often the battle. It was the battle for David. And when I read Psalm 46, I, I, I read this description of this very real tough season when the world's crumbling around you. And this beginning verse, verse 1, is the thesis of Psalm 46, that God is our refuge and strength in trouble, an ever-present help in trouble. This is the thesis. This is what we have to wrap our minds around, even when the world is shaking. But here's the reality of that. Lean into this real, real carefully. The Bible says God is our refuge and strength in trouble, not from trouble. Let that sink in for a moment. 
God is our refuge and strength in trouble. That's what the Bible says. I'm just reading scripture to you. In trouble, not from trouble. But where do most of our efforts go? Removing us from trouble, from pressure. Lord, take this from me. Lord, get this out of my life. Lord, I don't want this anymore. I want to get it out. You know, it sounds a lot like a, like a guy named Paul in the Bible. And in 2 Corinthians, when he was saying, Lord, take this thorn out of my life. You remember that story where he prayed three times, get the thorn out of my flesh. It's a thorn in my flesh. I want it removed. I don't like how it feels. It's really uncomfortable. It's a pressure, it's a hurt, it's a pain in my life. And what does God say? What does the word of God say? He says, my grace, I heard it, is sufficient for you. If that's not a good enough example, even Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane prays to his father, Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, let yours be done. You see, we often get stuck in trying to to remove this pressure. But God is our refuge and strength in trouble, not from trouble. And let me just give you an extra note here. This is Miguel 3.16. Okay, this is is my thought. Okay, my thought and my experience in life is just this. That often the troubling seasons that you and I find ourselves in, whether it was your choice or not. Okay, whether it was your fault or not, your choice or not. Often the trouble that we find ourselves in isn't just a troubling season, it's also a training season. I can't tell you how often I've seen this on the other side in hindsight where I look back and go, oh, that was for me, Lord. I needed to work that out. Often these seasons of trouble are seasons of training. I just mentioned Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Therefore, let me just read it. Therefore, in order to keep you from becoming conceited, that's a really good reason, um, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. That word torment, torment me. That same word is used in 2 Samuel chapter 16 when, when Saul was trying to kill David, if you know the story. And, and, and it says that the tormenting spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. This is 2 Samuel 16 verse 14. So you go, torment. Have you ever been in a tormenting season? I have. Torment, torment, torment. Think about that word for a second. Listen to the syllables. Torment. Switch the syllables. What do you hear? Mentor. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be cute with my words here, okay? I'm just wanting to share with you as a pastor. Um, I've, I've, I've walked through some things in my life, things that I've learned from the Lord that I believe God can use tormenting things in our life to mentor us and troubling seasons to train us. And when you think about the story of David, when you think about all the things he went through, he was anointed king as a boy publicly, but he did not become king until 16 years later. 16 years. So understand the anointed time is not always the appointed time. So often in life, we're waiting. Why am I waiting, Lord? Why am I waiting? 16 years. We can't even wait 16 minutes for our coffee. You see, you see that you're going, what? 16 years. And every time, but God, there's a call on my life. You anointed me. The prophet Samuel came. My family showed up. Everyone knew. 
And if anyone had any questions, when he slew Goliath, yep, he's the king, right? 16 years of tormenting, of running for his life. It was, in, it was not just, it, was, it was, wasn't fair. This is this jealous king chasing the future king. Was not fair. But he had to go through a process. He had to go through these 16 years of difficulty and struggle. And every time he would win a battle, there's another success. He was so successful, people were singing songs about him. David kills his tens of thousands and Saul his thousands. Right? It was number one on Spotify. I mean, if David had a shoe line, everyone would be buying his shoes. It was that kind of, I mean, he was successful. But every time David was successful, Saul's jealousy was aroused. As if to say, so often, whenever David was successful, more battles showed up. I don't know about you, and I don't know how often it happens in your life, but how many of us have experienced giants of success, a season of great fruit and nourishment and wonderful things are happening only to be followed by a season of tormenting and struggle and pain. That's just, maybe that's just me. But that happens all the time. And here's something we all have to remember that your greatest testimonies will always come from your greatest tests. Your greatest testimonies will always come from your greatest tests. And so the reward for David's victory and successes were just more battles, more struggles, more giants to face, more troubling seasons that made absolutely no sense. And I think often that's what we face in life. So even when we get engaged and everyone's like, oh man, you're engaged. Before you post those engagement pictures, remember but you get the reward of marriage, and it isn't always easy. See, that the, 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 the grittiness of becoming one is much harder than the prospect of just walking down the aisle. And everyone who's been married for a while, you get it. You see, often it happens that way too. You get a promotion, what's the reward? You get to manage people. And guess what? People suck sometimes. Right? It's hard. Imperfect people leading imperfect people. Hurt people, hurt people. It's just a mess. Or so often, what, what happens? You buy a new house. Guess what you got to do now? You get to clean it. You're like, man, maybe I shouldn't have been like so crazy on the square footage. Maybe we downsize. You know, see, we don't get that wisdom until later in life. We're like, oh, that is smarter. <laughs> Sometimes the... Uh, we get pregnant, right? We're like, yeah, we're pregnant. This is awesome, and God bless you. Now you get to raise the child in this world. And you're like, oh, man, what do I do? Do, 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 you, do you see the, this, this life pattern, right? Wonderful moments, trialing moments. God is our refuge and strength in trouble, not from trouble. And listen, you're going, hey, I get it. You're like, Miguel, come on, come on. I like but you don't know my situation. You're right, I don't. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pain and suffering I've gone through. If you were to see my situation, you would see that it is not like that at all, that God is nowhere to be found, that there is no hope, that this is my life, this is the cards I've been dealt, all that. So let me do this little exercise with you. When you look at this, this phrase, these grouping of letters, what phrase do you see? And what 
other phrase do you see? See, some of us look at this and we see the phrase, God is nowhere. And you're like, Miguel, it is clear. I have concluded. I have resolved. God is nowhere. And you're passionate about that. But then you look at the same situation and you also can see God is now here. God is now here. Same thing we're all looking at, two completely different conclusions. That the presence of God may seem absent to you and your perspective on your situation, but God is still in the middle of it all. Some years back, my wife and I got the worst phone call. It was in the middle of the night. We were awoken with this phone call. Her only sibling, brother, Matthew Jackson, was in a car accident in Oceanside. He was driving, lost control, and he hit a tree. He's 28 years old. My wife's mother, my mother-in-law, calls us and says, he was rushed to the hospital. You gotta pray. So we're just... Let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, in the name of Jesus, like we are praying with everything we have. Dear God, please. And I don't know how, how many minutes passed. Felt like, like years. It felt so long. Probably just seconds. We got the phone call back. Matthew did not make it. And he died at 28. And I can remember to this day the sound of my wife. No, 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 no. No, it can't be true. No, please, God, please, no. And we sat there in the middle of our trouble and our pain and our suffering. And we said, God is nowhere. God is nowhere. That's impossible. And some seasons in our life that are so troubling as an individual or as a church seem so debilitating. It paralyzes us. But I think what I come to realize over and over and over again is that the world's peace will never satisfy this in our life. There is only one place that can satisfy this. It is in the presence of Almighty God. It is with Him that we find true peace. And so I want to illustrate this for you as we close today. I showed this to the Chicago campus. Sometimes in life, this, I made this little paper airplane, I know. Sometimes in life is this. We feel like we're soaring. And quite, quite often we are. We're soaring and then there's a little dip, right? And then we're soaring again. And okay, we got a little disappointment. And then we're soaring again. It's just that. And usually that's pretty manageable. But then there are some times where the season of life we get into, the troubling, stormy seasons we get into, feels like our wings are literally getting ripped, torn out of our lives completely. 
And so this is often how we feel. We feel this, and we're told there's hope. No, there's hope in Jesus. Come on, just hang in there. Come on, just just keep attending. Just keep engaging. And you're like, but this is how I feel. This is what I see, and this is how I feel. How is it that you're telling me I can still soar in the name of Jesus when my wings are literally ripped from my life? And a lot of life-altering decisions are made right here in this season. But the Bible says, Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength in trouble. He's our refuge and strength and ever-present help in it. Not from it, in it. And if we stick around long enough to trust God, to put our faith in him, to remember that we can be still and know when we begin to unfold the season in our life and why it all happened, where is God? We realize that God was in the middle of the storm and the pain and the suffering and the hurt. He was in it with you the entire time. He never left. He is our ever-present help, refuge, and strength in the struggle, in the trouble. And many of us have believed the lies about our life and Satan has locked us in this peaceless prison mind and thought process. And he's saying, there is no hope for you. You can go now. And I've seen situations where people have looked at a situation and they've said, I can't. And it has been paralyzing. But then I've also seen this, and I've seen it in this church, where people will look at the same situation, and it does not paralyze them. No, listen, it propels them. The trial and the trouble actually makes them lean in more and say, come on, Jesus. And all of a sudden, their mess becomes their message. Their pain becomes their platform. Their testing and trialing becomes their greatest testimony. And they say, in the name of Jesus, I see God. He is in it with us. See, because there is only one place that never changes, one person that is immutable and unchangeable, the place that we are supposed to be when troubling times happen, where we can find true peace and stillness for our souls. It is in the presence of Almighty God. And the beauty about the gospel of Jesus is that God came down, peace on earth not from it. Peace on earth. He is the prince of peace. He never changes. And he is in it with us. And that's why we can say he is our refuge and strength. And we can be still and know that he is God. Heavenly Father, I'm overwhelmed by your word because I've lived this too many times. Thank you, Lord, for the season we're in to remind us who you are, our refuge and strength in trouble. Let us proudly declare in worship that it is well with my soul.